just to let you know, I was invited to a remembrance. Uh, well, actually, it was it was more than a remembrance uh, assembly. It was about the armistice, and and I I said to to uh, our superb history teacher, Mr. Ryan Lowe's, and he is excellent, and he did something I've never seen before. Uh, I knew about it, but I'd never seen anybody celebrate it in that sort of way. And uh, you did it about the animals in the war. Yes. So for the assembly, it was a broad range of ages from year one up to year nine. So to try and captivate and interest those many different minds and members of the school senior management team, I decided to go on a slightly different approach. But the whole idea based around remembering. It was it was very very moving, as as they are and should be, because we use that phrase less less we forget. But you did it in such a way, very powerfully, where you asked the question: What animals would would have been used in the war? And the, the war we're talking about was the First World War. And as a historian, um, the the First World War, they said it was the war to end all wars. But unfortunately, it wasn't, was it? No, unfortunately, now with a more revisionist view, is the war to start new wars. So you have moved away from the gun versus the spear mentality and of a more mobile war to now a war of attrition and a static warfare where it also affected those at home opposed to just the soldiers in the front. So it was a total war. And uh, the way you did it, you asked the question of the children, uh, which animals were used? Now, I knew, I knew horses because of the, 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 that fabulous book and film, War Horse. Uh, but, but t- tell me about the other animals. Um, so the other animals included pigeons. And I found a great, um, story I read about a certain pigeon, which was awarded, I think, the second highest military honor in France because it saved, he saved, I'll give it the correct gender. He saved over 200 soldiers on the Western Front by carrying a message. And when he arrived to the correct trenches, he was had lost an eye, uh, had only one leg left and was shot. And then once he had given that message, he was retired immediately and celebrated as a war hero, along with the brave men, women and other animals that gave their lives in the war. Um, one of the ones that did surprise me the most, because I am not so up to date with my North African um, World War One battles, but camels. Camels, over 500,000, unfortunately, lost their lives, and they were used to transport mainly supplies to the soldiers during World War One. And the other animal was the dogs, of course, which not only were used as the pigeons to carry messages, but they were also used in the trenches day to day to hunt for rats to try and make it as high, try to make the trenches hygienic and more livable. But reading accounts from the soldiers, it was the companionship that the, the dogs offered. And they could see when the dogs were scared, they were scared. And when the dogs were happy and they could see the fear with the soldiers, they would, as dogs do now, if their owner is sad or worried, they will get close and try to comfort them, which mm. I thought was a really touching part of the remembrance idea to do of World War One. The, they actually uh, do that in hospitals now, don't they? They have dogs that are trained to be comfort dogs, mm. and it's lovely. Yes, and at my where I was last in the UK, they actually had dogs that were trained to try and detect cancer, and they had a very high success rate. And it's 
it's amazing how man's best friend can do so much more than just be a form of entertainment or companionship. They're there to save lives and to help with mental and physical health. Now, what we're going to do, you've got uh, two lovely young ladies as uh, guests here, but they're not just guests. They're actually going to be performing. We, You don't have to do it right now, girls. One sec. Uh, we'll play a tune. We'll give you a chance to get yourselves ready because uh, would you would you just like to give up the background of what the ladies did? So for the assembly, one of the focuses was on the remembrance idea and I explained how the poppies were used. So Chloe read out In Flanders Field by John McRae. And so to give the view, the perspective of a soldier on the front line. And Karen's poem is called I Remember, I Remember by Thomas Hood. And that was to help with the idea for the Wellington pupils to remember, not just for Remembrance Sunday, Armistice Day, but also to remember the good times, some of the sad times and also the times they've learnt. So just to help with memory. I invited uh, our history teacher, Mr. Ryan Lowe's, in because he invited me to a very special assembly which took place. It was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Monday. And it was about armistice and remembrance. And he, he put a very unusual slant on it about not only the soldiers that, that were lost, but the animals as well. And he had a young lady reading a poem. Uh, well, two two young ladies reading poems, and they've kindly given up their time to come in. It's Chloe and Karen. Chloe's going to read first, and uh, we'll hear her poem. In Flanders Fields by John McCrae. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead short days ago. We lived felt dawn and sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die. We shall not sleep though poppies grow in Flanders fields. John McCray wrote the poem in 1915 as a memorial of those to those who died in a World War One battle fought in a region of Belgium known as the Ypres Salient, McCray himself treated many of the soldiers injured in that battle, and was particularly moved by the death of a close friend, Alexis Helmer. Now many wear the red poppy as a symbol of remembering the many brave animals and soldiers that fell in those fields. That was beautifully read. Beautifully read. And now we have our other lady, Karen, who's going to read her poem. I Remember, I Remember by Thomas Hood. I remember, I remember the house where I was born, the little window where the sun came peeping in at morn. He never came a wink too soon, nor brought too long a day. But now I often wish the night had borne my breath away. I remember, I remember, the roses, red and white, the violets and the lily cups, those flowers made of light, the lilacs where the robin built and where my brother sat, the laburnum on his birthday, the tree is living yet. I remember, I remember, where I was used to swing, 
and thought the air must rush as fresh to swallows on this wing. My spirit flew in feathers then, that is so heavy now, and summer pools could hardly cool the fever on my brow. I remember, I remember, the fir trees dark and high. I used to think their slender tops were close against the sky. It was a childish ignorance, but now tis little joy to know I'm farther off from heaven than when I was a boy. They read beautifully, Chloe and Karen. And I've got uh, Miss, uh, Mr. Ryan Lewis. Yes? Lowe's. Lowe's, I knew that. I just can't read me on writing. <laughs> Mr. Ryan Lowe's, who is our history teacher. And uh, <clears throat> the, the thing about it was, it was, so, it was so moving. I just could not speak. And, and that's, that's, what the, that's what the poems do. And I know you were upset as well. It was all, it was all beautiful. And the children were great. They understood what they were reading. And uh, congratulations on, on the way you taught them. I chose them. And of course, I've read them through my own head. But when you take that moment away and you hear someone else reading it and maybe the way they accentuate different words or the way they get their rhyming patterns, it could just put a completely different twist on it. So, um, yeah, I was very privileged to be able to sit next to those two young ladies to listen to them read those poems and to put into it their own emotion and feelings. It was very, very good. Very good. Now, the reason uh, I, I got the girls had to go back, they've got geography, but uh, I wanted to, to speak with you, sir. And the reason is the dit- I'd like you to explain as a historian the differences between Armistice Day and remembrance day okay so remembrance day traditionally in the uk will be on the sunday nearest the armistice day nearest the 11th of the 11th day of the 11th month um the similarities between the two is taking that time for the silence and it's a real community feel so as i was mentioning during the break in villages they will close the roads just for those two minutes they will, the church bells will ring to notify all those in earshot of the importance and that something is happening. So with the Armistice Day is to celebrate a ceasing of hostility. So that meant that the soldiers agreed, well, the generals agreed the soldiers would stop fighting and the world would be the first step back to the world going back to how it was before the wars. And it was actually done, I believe, on a train. Is that right? Yes, it was agreed on a train in 1918 so importantly it's there to remember that peace was not declared at that moment but a ceasing of hostilities it was that first step so it was on a train moving through france and the armistice was officially declared at 11 a.m in paris so that was 11 a.m of the 11th month of the 11th day in 1918 wow and i remember as a primary school boy growing up in bath the one day of the year, they would bring a cannon down to the rugby field and the cannon would go off at 11am, which would be a shock for us as pupils playing football with um, muddy knees and in shorts. But even at that age then, you can see the reaction of the adults, the dinner ladies, the teachers, and it was just pure silence. And that was a nice way to learn as a young British boy about the importance of this day to British people and also being older now around the world. 
Yeah, well, it's not just that, as you say, it's, it was the Commonwealth forces were were all involved, and what well, it was it was a world war, wasn't it? Yes, um, and this is something I am teaching at the moment. Actually, we're looking at the idea of empire, and then the idea of Commonwealth, and how even though the British Empire is a very controversial topic to sometimes teach and learn about and to discuss, it's then those similarities that countries had, and even though. The Commonwealth from India, the Newfoundlanders Regiment um, and the other soldiers around the world that came to fight. Many argue they came to fight for Britain, but then there's also the argument they came to fight for that idea of freedom because lots of those countries had been liberated. So it was a nice with the British and the French that were allied together after famous battles and wars such as the Hundred Years' War. It was a real coming together. And uh, it must be for you as as an historian. Is that is that one of the reasons why you you wanted to become a historian, a teacher? So I learned about the world wars for my GCSEs from the age of fifteen to sixteen, and it was just something that was more real to me as a historian. I've learned about the ten sixty six and these people in the past, but to see my relatives' medals and to hear stories and from grandparents and my great grandmother. Fortunately, she lived to 100 years old. So I could speak to her as a young boy and she could tell me about her experiences and my grandmother about how rationing continued. And this happened to people I know and loved. So it just gave that I wanted to learn more about it and have a genuine interest in it. Well, you you are very passionate about it. And it's um, and the, and the children, were, you, you're just great. So So thank you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for the invitation and helping us share this with the Wellington Whaley community.